You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you guys are back. Hey, I'm excited about today because I have sweet talked my husband, Chris, into joining me in the closet because I have been wanting to do an episode for you guys on family devos a little bit. Sometimes a daunting thing, I think, for some people to even think about. And maybe some of you are like, oh, yeah, we've been doing this for years. Well, no big deal. Maybe you'll pull something out of this that the crazy McReynolds do that will be helpful to you. Please, we always, whenever we do these, we are no experts. We do not nail this 100% of the time. But there's been some really fun things that we have seen and done with our kids over the years. And it's just such an important thing to do. And then really just to see the growth in your kids. So, hun, thanks for coming into the closet. Happy to do it. It's been tough, guys. I'm going to tell you right now, it's eight o'clock at night. And for those of y'all who don't know this about me, Chris, what time would I go to bed if I if I had my way? In about 15 minutes. For real. For real. <laughs> this is this is true story. But we want to get these done. So we are going to do this. So if Amy says anything crazy and silly, you know, that's why we have Chris here to bring us all back in. <laughs> so family devos. Chris, when did we start doing this with was, our kids? It was when Evan started kindergarten. So young, guys, we have three boys. Our oldest now is 18. Yeah, so it's been 12, yep. 13 years, something like yep. that. And then our middle guy is almost 17. And then our youngest is 13. And hopefully by the time y'all hear this podcast, there's still those age. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So we've been doing this for a long time. And I just think, of course, yes, I'm biased, but I don't think anybody nails family devos better than Chris. This was not necessarily. Yes, you're biased. <laughs> Guys, just no, 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 no. This is true. This wasn't necessarily modeled to me growing up. My family did devotions a little bit, but it was a little bit more sporadic. It wasn't something we consistently did. And I think one of the things that just I loved to hear a couple weekends back, we were doing a big family hike with our kids. I think it was our 17 year old. He said to us, he said, when I have a family and I have kids, I'm going to do devotions every morning with my kids. He's like, I love it that we do that. Okay, that's like music to parents' ears. Uh, my jaw hit the floor a little <laughs> yeah. bit as we were doing that. When you hear your teenagers say something like that, we're like, oh, really? What it is, I think, in this is just the consistency and faithfulness of the Lord. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work on your part to be able to do something on a consistent space. And you've got to figure out what is the time of day that is going to work for you. For us, we have chosen we have to drive a bit to school. So we've just chosen to do it earlier in the day. So for us right now, it's 7 a.m. There's been some seasons that's been even a little earlier than mm -hmm. that. So it can be done. You can actually get teenagers out of bed and have them be there. But yeah, it does take a little bit of work. And then I often get asked, and this is really what I want to talk about today. Well, what do you do? Do you follow a book? What's your thing that you do family devotions with? What we have always done is we do the Proverbs. So Chris, talk about how we do this and what our format looks like. Yeah. So first of all, there's nothing magical about what you choose to do. I think the most important thing is is just doing it. But for me, Proverbs has always had kind of a special place in my life going all the way back to eighth grade when my teacher, Mr. Brooks, had us do these 
Bible logs for Proverbs. And so we would go through each day of, of the month, whatever day it was, that was the proverb that we were supposed to do. And we would have to write out some observations that we had and make some applications to our life and things like that. And ever since then, I just sort of made it a habit over the course of every summer to read through the Proverbs each day. And so when my oldest was, like we were saying, in kindergarten, I just decided, you know what, it's time to start doing this. And I just happened to pick Proverbs because it was near and dear to my heart and part of my experience as a kid. So we would do that. And so if it was October 1st, we would do Proverbs chapter one. And if it was December 10th, then we would do Proverbs chapter 10. I pretty much follow the same format every time. We'll sit down and whatever the date is, I'll flip to that proverb and I will read the whole proverb just from start to finish. And then when the kids were younger, I would choose a verse from that chapter to kind of dive into in a little bit more depth. As the boys have gotten older, I've started to let them choose and, you know, they can kind of say, you know, let's do this verse or that verse. And I've actually circled each verse as we've done it over the years. And so now, because we've been doing it for so long, there's some chapters where there's not a lot of verses left that we haven't gotten to, Mm -hmm. but they'll choose the verse or I'll choose the verse and then we'll just talk about it. Yeah. My favorite teacher in all of my educational years, Mr. Wright, used the Socratic method for teaching, which is basically just the process of asking your students questions to lead them to the answer rather than just give it to them. And I have definitely adopted that style with the boys as we go through Proverbs. And so I'll read the verse that we are going to talk about, and then I'll just ask them an opening question, some open-ended, like, what are we talking about here? What is this verse getting at? Who are the players in the verse or what is being said? kind of let them lead us out a little bit. Oftentimes they'll take a stab at it. Sometimes they're pretty right on the money. Other times they're way off and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But through that process of, well, okay, I hear what you're saying with that answer. And that's, that's a, that's pretty insightful, but what do you think about this? What about this thing? Have you thought about that? And sort of giving them a chance to explore it a little bit with in their mind and sort of verbally talk about it um, to draw them into the conversation so that it's not just me talking the whole time. The thing that's been really helpful with this method that he uses, so what's funny is there are so many times he'll ask a question and I actually am sitting over there going, I'm not totally sure what the right answer is, but thankfully I'm not on the spot typically. Sometimes I know where he's going with this, but let's just talk a bit just for a second about Proverbs in general. So Proverbs is super practical and I think it's good to keep in mind that Proverbs are principles that are applied. They're not necessarily like a, they're not just a promise that you can slap on something, but there are consistent principles, especially when you see them reflected in other areas of the word that are so instructive and If you've read Proverbs before, though, you might be freaking out a little bit because you're going, wait a minute, you talked about the adulterous woman in (laughs) Proverbs 5 and 7 (laughs) with your second grader. If you're cringing just to just a second. So we like I said, we have three boys and I'm just going to go and tell you. Yeah, he did. He would read those whole Proverbs. And yes, sometimes the mom would be sitting in the chair kind of 
dying. Like we're going to talk about that. But here's why I bring that up, because I think we have taught those passages differently at different ages. Of course, there's things that they have no idea what you're really talking about when they're in second grade. But there's always been something in those chapters that you've been able to pull out for second, third grade in some chapters that might be a little scandalous. So can you I'm kind of didn't ask you this ahead of time, but can you think of something within those chapters that perhaps you've had to mold a little bit for age appropriateness as they've gone? Yes. And I could even maybe tell a quick story about this that was actually really cool that the Lord just sort of led me to. But yeah, I mean, believe me, when you get into Proverbs chapter five, there there's some uh, colorful language in there. And I remember a few times like reading over it and just going, I don't know what, if they're getting this or if this is flying right over their heads when they were younger. And back in those days, I was choosing the verses. And so yeah. a lot of times I would just sort of steer clear of some of those. But it's amazing, particularly at those younger ages, kids are just sponges. In fact, for the first probably, I don't know, seven or eight years of this I would have my Bible and I'd be reading, but they would just be listening. And occasionally I would read the first half of the verse mm-hmm. and then I would pause. And sometimes they could finish it because mm-hmm. they'd heard it enough times, which was always kind of cool. I wouldn't necessarily do that with some of the verses in Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7. But a uh, quick side story, when it was time for the weekend with the boys, right? To birds and the bees conversation, that whole thing. We were driving, I had, I had taken, I always kind of took the boys on a little special trip. And on the way back, we were driving down I-5 and there was one of those nasty adult bookstore places right mm-hmm. off the freeway. And I just had an idea and I pulled off and we drove around and parked in like a restaurant parking lot across the street from one of these places. And I just sat there and I actually pulled out Proverbs chapter seven as we were sitting there and watching people kind of go in and out. And I read to them the passage about, I I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking in the long, the direction of her house and yada, 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 all the way through. And I was able to say, Evan, Caden, Brennan, that right there is what this proverb is talking about. Mm -hmm. And it just, I think, really kind of hit home for them. Like they've been hearing this for years and now they're seeing it played out. And of course, it's somebody in a nasty old beat up car and, you know, just looking hollow and Mm -hmm. unhappy. And it was a very powerful moment, actually. Yeah. It's one of those passages that, well, I know that that can be hard to read through at really at any age. But the thing is, is, That is the thing that can be so destructive. If you've got girls or boys, either way, there's message in there. And so you don't want to shy away from those just because maybe they are harder to talk about. Like he said, we didn't necessarily have to drill down on certain conversations when they're in first grade or second grade. But boy, some of those questions got a little bit more probing as they got older. And that's a good thing because you want to be giving your kids the insight from the word that says, hey, the Bible that you hold in your hand actually is giving you practical wisdom on preserving your life. And that's really what that comes down to even in those passages, because it's it's that serious. And it allows them to see even the gravity of it, too. I think that is so important. So, yes, we did go into some scary places. <laughs> Thanks for uh 
throwing me a curveball there. Yeah, I was sure. no problem. not expecting that. All that to say, and now I we have older kids and we've had teenagers. And so we are able to have those conversations and they're even outside of necessarily part, but they have that picture. And I think part of it is like that weekend that you took where you kind of have this object lesson visual that they are they're seeing this and it's really powerful to see how that plays out. So the other thing we've done with these proverbs is like Chris said, usually he will read it. If you've got younger kids, or you've got kids that are kind of learning to read, it's really helpful to have them read it every now and then. We've also done it where we will all be in the same place and everybody reads a proverb and we go in a circle. We've done that some where they're all engaged. I always really recommend if they have their own Bible to teach them early to be in it, to be marking it, to be engaged with with the scripture and not just necessarily just sitting there like a bystander taking it in, but encouraging them to to really write these things. When they look at Chris's Bible, it's a really sweet thing in our family because they can look at it and they can see the dates that he's talked about every single one of those verses. And and so when you flip through Proverbs, you're just seeing pages and pages of dates and dates and dates. And it's kind of a cool way to look back at your kids' childhood a little bit and go, man, these are the things that we were talking about. One of the things that I love about Proverbs with kids is that it's just a, a super practical book. There's all kinds of opportunities, and this is something I would really encourage you, make it apply to their lives at the place that they're at. And there's a way, there are ways to do this. And um, I was, as we were kind of talking about doing this, I was reflecting back on some of the like highlight verses that I, I still remember to this day talking about. One of them comes from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. And when I read this, you might go, huh, how do you talk to kids about that? But it says, the lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. And boy, parents, you can echo the sentiment of kids not caring for their things, (laughs) right? And how many times have I picked something up, a toy that was left outside in the rain or whatever, a bike that was just thrown down right behind a car and then got backed over or whatever. This was a great verse to talk about what does it mean to roast your game? We would talk about maybe a picture of Esau bringing in something that he had killed in the in the forest and uh, the picture of roasting the game, like really taking the time to prepare this thing and make it tasty, you know, and versus just kind of throwing something together. And we can talk about how, what does that look like, you guys? And again, I would not give them this information. I would lead them to the answer by saying, you know, what does that look like for you guys? What does it look like for you to roast your game? Obviously, you're not out there hunting at six years old or seven years old, but you guys have possessions. What does it mean to care for them? What does it mean to prize them as this verse is talking about? And allow them to kind of engage a little bit with that idea and start sharing. And I really force them to be specific and practical. Like, give me an example of what it looks like for you to roast your game, for you to prize your possession. It can be a super simple thing. You know, it doesn't have to be anything super complex or overly spiritualized, but just a a simple concept that their little minds can latch on to. 
And in fact, it, it, when he said that he asked them to be exceedingly practical, if they try to get in a very churchy sounding answer that, you know, as a parent that you're like, OK, you're just putting out what you think I want to hear or something like that. He calls them on it and actually has them dig down a little bit more on that. And then, you know, I think about if you've got older kids like we do now, there's lots of verses that apply to that. In fact, just this week for us, this is around the first part of September. It was September 9th. And so we were in chapter nine and we were talking about verse nine, which says, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. And this particular chapter has a nice juxtaposition just a couple of verses earlier in verse seven, which says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. And I think one of the issues that teenagers in general deal with is maybe a general lack of teachability, lack of coachability. You know, they kind of feel like they know it all or whatever. And so we were able to talk about, hey, what does it look like when a wise man gets instructed? What is their attitude toward that instruction? How can you tell if you're dealing with a wise man or with a mocker? Well, look at the way they respond when they are being instructed, when they're being taught, when they're being corrected. Are you being wiser still? Are you adding to your learning or are you insulting? You know, are you abusing that person that is giving you that correction? Are you rolling your eyes and giving that sense of, I already know all this, you know, I've got this all figured out. So super practical ways that you can help your kids to see, look, the things that mom and I are talking about to you and, and being teachable, like this is not just something we're making up. This comes straight out of God's word. And it's always funny to me how often you circle back like teenagers, right? Teachability. So this is a topic we circle back to often, but it's in the Proverbs so often. But then to even be able to talk to your kids about the why this is so important. It was important enough that the Lord sought to have it to be inspired in Scripture to be there for us. And now that we have older kids to talk about what that looks like an adult that perhaps is not teachable. Often, Chris has been able to give examples from just the business world of when he had interactions and coworkers or other people that he has interacted with that maybe didn't have the same teachable spirit. They can kind of see what that type of attitude, what it leads to. Yeah, it's been exciting for me watching our oldest who, you know, graduated from high school earlier this year and he's sort of in the work world a little bit man, for that stage of life, Proverbs, something that he has heard for the majority of his life, suddenly takes on a whole new dimension. Because literally, I believe that Proverbs is a how-to book yeah. for business. And just the other night, we were sitting in my office and, and he was talking to me about this guy that works for another company that he has to interface with that it's been hard for him to build a relationship with. And this guy is kind of grumpy and whatever. And and I was able to say, hey, let me tell you about something that has worked for me before. And we talked about the power of Starbucks and <laughs> uh, and taking that guy his favorite drink, just kind of building a relationship with him in that way. And by the end of the conversation, he was like, wow, dad, I, I never would have thought of that. That's a really great idea. And I said, yeah, you want to know where I got that idea? He's like, where? 
Well, that comes from Proverbs 17, 8. A bribe is a charm to the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he succeeds. He did take a moment. He was like, wait, you're telling me to bribe people? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not quite exactly Not in that sense. Not in that sense. That's not the idea. So anyway, just there's so much application, whether you're talking about a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 13-year-old, or an 18-year-old. Yeah. I hope when you guys hear this, too, that it doesn't seem in any way overwhelming, because that's what I actually think is great about Proverbs. The lesson plan, if you will, is already done for you. Okay, if it's on the first, you got the first. If it's the second, you can go to Proverbs chapter two. So that's already done out for you. But then there's this other voice sometimes that's in our heads, both as moms or dads of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm talking about, so I should probably just not even bother. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's just the enemy that's telling you to not be teaching your kids the word and just be in the word together. You do not have to know all the answers. We have not known the answers a gazillion times with something that we are working through with the kids or working through with the word. But even that is a teachable moment to your kids of being able to say, let me look into that a little bit more. But letting them see that you're looking to the word for those answers as well they see that and then they want to know how to do that for themselves. So don't fall for the lie that if you don't know all the answers or you don't know what to do, that you shouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. And I will say when I am, I mean, like I want to make this easy for you guys. So you don't have to do any prep work or anything like (laughs) that, like roll into this thing cold and just read through the chapter. Now, it needs to be legit. It needs to be a part of your life. This this can't be the first time that you ever cracked open the word or something like that. But just read through the proverb and and just, you know, like I will pray a lot of times just before I do, like, Lord, just give me insight. Help me choose the verse that you want communicated to these boys this morning. I'll just be reading through and something will catch my eye and that's the one that will do. And I didn't know we were going to do it five minutes before we started, but that's okay. And just roll with it. Mm -hmm. Your kids are, it's just the fact that you're doing it. It's the fact that you're reading the word. God's word will not return void. So just go for it. Over the years, as I've talked to dads, maybe sometimes about this topic even, and they'll say, you know, how do you do it? And what, what advice would you have? Here's the one piece of advice that I will give you about doing this. And that is start. Yeah. Just do it. If your kids are young, it is perfect because then they'll grow up and this is all they'll know. They'll just think, well, this is just what we do in the mornings. Mm -hmm. If you've got teenagers right now and you haven't ever done this with them before, you know what? It'll be weird for a little bit and they won't tell you this. They'll appreciate it. Mm -hmm. It's easy sitting here in this closet and talking about this and, and reflecting back on all the years of doing it. I can't tell you. How many times there was the nodding off going on, you know, because it was an early morning. Crack of dawn. Or, yeah, the blank (laughs) stares in in their eyes and, you know, me going, come on, guys, you know, engage. Let's do this. You can do this. And so many times me thinking, like, what am I even doing this for? I mean, I've I've even said that to you Mm -hmm. over the years, like, you know, I'm not even sure that this is worth doing. I don't know that they're getting this. But you would always encourage me, like, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to look back on this as one of the most important parts of their childhood. And then to have Caden say that the other day when we were hiking, it was like, oh, okay, Okay. it's all good. Thank you, Lord. So start. It's so, so true. 
especially I think when there's teenagers, sometimes there can be that thing I hear from folks that my kids won't like this. Even just the idea that you want your kids to like you. I, I'm, I know this sounds terrible and harsh, but especially when you're, these are just really important instructive moments. And we're called to be these kids' parents and to raise them in the admonition and love of the Lord. And that just has to stay our first goal. So just keep powering through if you do get that weird look of, I, I just really would rather be doing anything because He's right. The consistency and just continuing to plow through, they will appreciate it. One other little fun thing, and I'm going to tell you this because I wish I had started this much sooner. But hey, if you've got little kids, you're like, you know what? I kind of want to start this. Something I started doing is as Chris would uh, start reading and he'd pick the proverb he was doing, I grabbed a blank journal and I numbered each page with the day of the week. And then I started writing the dates. So if I would be on, you know, the ninth, I would go to the the ninth page, I would write what month it is in the year. And I would just kind of write a few notes of the things that Chris was kind of covering with the boys. And then really fun to write a little quote or something that your kids say. Like something that they <laughs> yeah. pull out. I can't remember what I read the other day, but it was just hilarious to think just how they inter- interact with each other. And it was from several years ago. So it's kind of a fun way to look back at even how their spiritual growth was at those different ages. Yeah. And I will say about that whole, you know, when when the going gets tough thing and, and you're not sure, like, is this even worth doing? It's a faith thing. Romans 1 talks about how the righteous will live by faith. Uh, That's in verse 17. And it's true. What that means is every day, every step is going to be, it's going to require faith. And sometimes it's like in the big things, like we're going to move to another state or I'm going to quit my job or whatever. Other times it's as simple as I'm sitting here, it's 645 in the morning and I'm doing another proverb with the kids and I feel like it's just falling on deaf ears. I feel like it's not worth it. We're not getting anything out of this time. But you know what? That's a faith moment. That's taking on faith. Lord, I'm doing this because you say to do it, and I'm trusting that you know better than I do. And so I'm going to do it even though it doesn't feel like it's a good idea. So Chris, why don't you just real quick, because there are a couple of proverbs that you're going to find yourself kind of scratching your head a little bit going, wait, did did them not just say the exact opposite of what that is? Now, this is like we said, this is kind of it's OK. You don't have to get this one. I still read these going. I'm like, um, Chris, can you help me here? But I asked Chris to kind of give us a little just a, one of these tricky proverbs and how these can work out. Maybe this will help. So first of all, quick behind the scenes footage for you here. My practice all as the boys were growing up is I would go into my office or now I do it on the floor of our bedroom and I would do my personal devotions right before we would do this. And sometimes I would spend my devotional time reading the proverb that I was about to go do just because I wanted it fresh in my mind and stuff like that. And occasionally uh, I would come across verses in Proverbs that I would just scratch my head and be like, Lord, what, what does this mean? During those times, I would avoid those verses when it came time to do it with the boys. But it's amazing how if you just stick with it, and it might be years, but pray about it. Lord, what does this mean? Show me what this means. And this is one that I remember when I was in probably my 20s, kind of in that place of what does this mean? Uh, And it's Proverbs 26, and it's verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, 
or you will be like him yourself. Okay, I can, I can get behind that. I understand that one. No problem. Until you read the very next verse, verse 5, which says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. In my logical brain, I could not reconcile the fact that here are two verses back to back that are saying exactly contradictory things. It just really bothered me. And I think for years, I couldn't just get past the fact that they were saying opposite things to really let it sink in what it was saying. And then I remember one day it hit me like a ton of bricks and it was like the Lord was saying, hello, what book are we in? Proverbs, we're in the book of wisdom. And it was like the Lord was showing me both things are true. And it takes wisdom to know what situation am I to answer a fool according to his folly? And in what situations should I not answer a fool according to his folly? I remember when I learned that and I was so excited to share it with the boys the next time the 26th rolled around and and I got to walk them through sort of that same challenge that I had. And I really let them feel the dissonance of it at the beginning of the time, you know, and like, well, dad, what do we do? How do we make sense of this? And then and then to be able to share them that. So it's okay to wrestle. It's okay to not know. Just stick with it. And the Lord is good. He'll reveal those things to you in his time. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. One other thing that we've done when we have not done the Proverbs is, and this is kind of recent, I think you just started this like a year or so ago, but Chris has been leading us through uh, praying through a psalm. So talk about that. So the Lord put this on my heart about, yeah, I think it was, you're right, about two years ago or so. So my oldest was kind of in the middle of high school and I just felt impressed upon that I need my boys to be worshipers of the Lord. And, you know, that's not necessarily the coolest thing for a teenage guy, whatever. I don't play the guitar and I don't, I'm not, I'm not a worship leader. And I, so I didn't want to be singing songs necessarily, but I wanted to teach my, my boys to be worshipers of the Lord. And I think that doing something called praying through the scriptures is a really cool way to worship the Lord through prayer. And so we started doing this, and this is something going back years and years and years ago that we used to do with newly married groups and the high school mm-hmm. group even a little bit. But it's real simple. And I typically do it with Psalms. We, you can do it with other passages. A great one, if you want to do this, I would encourage you to try Psalm 91, and maybe we'll throw in the notes mm-hmm. some other Yeah, we'll throw psalms. some Psalms in here. But Psalm 91 is a great one. And the way that I do it is just everybody has their Bible. We start out kind of in prayer and I will read a few verses, you know, maybe three to four verses, depending on how long the psalm is. And then I will pause and just pray those verses back to the Lord. And these are real short prayers, not long prayers, because the idea is that everybody can sort of pray a sentence or two back to the Lord based on what we just read. And then once it's died down a little bit, then I'll read on and do another three or four verses and then pray something back to the Lord of that and allow some space for the boys to chime in and do that and just kind of progress our way through the psalm. Doesn't have to take a long time. It could be five, six minutes, whatever makes sense for you. 
but it's a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. It's different than the proverb thing, than teaching the proverbs mm -hmm. or doing a devotional. There's a different element here because it's you're communing with the Lord in a different way. It's mm -hmm. you're, you're worshiping him based on his word. There's several things that I have really liked about this. And, I, and I'll tell you, again, this is something that I did not grow up doing. I had never heard of anyone doing this. I had heard of reading scripture and kind of praying along as you're studying the word, but not quite where you're really praying the exact words back to the Lord. And some of the things that I've really liked about this, you know, we've all been in those places where you just sort of feel like I don't even know what to pray. Thankfully, the word tells us that the Holy Spirit even intervenes and he he knows what those prayers are when we just don't even know what to pray. But I think one of the tools that we have when we're in those seasons of I just don't know what to pray is just to go to the word and to pray the things of the nature of who God is in praise back to him. That's a great place to start when you just don't know what to say, because you're guaranteed that your words are going to be right on if you're praying the word back to the Lord. What's been really cool for us to do this, I mean, so that's kind of personally, if you if you wanted to do that, but to model this to your kids has been really interesting because you're teaching them how to do that. So they won't just do it within the corporate setting of us with as a family, but they know how to do that in their own personal life. And Lord willing, maybe someday they teach their kids how to do that too. But it's just an example of teaching your kids something that I'm, I'm pretty sure they're just not going to learn in school. I mean, our kids go to a great Christian school, but I don't think I never learned that in school. It's just not something that's necessarily talked about very much, but it can be a really neat thing. Yeah. And this is another one of those things that the first time and maybe even the first two or three times you do this, it might feel a little awkward for your kids if they've never done anything like this before. or If you've never done anything like this before, that's OK. Just push through because I guarantee you on the other side is huge blessing. And you're just going to be like, why have we waited so long to do this? Because it is it's a cool family time where you're centered around the Lord and his word. So I just thought I'd give you just a brief example. This is just Psalm 91. And if I was doing this with the boys, I would just simply start out. This is verse one and two. He who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then I might say, Lord, thank you that you are my refuge. There have been times in my life where I have not known where else to turn and I can always come to you as my refuge. And then I would just pause and then let one of the boys look through those couple verses and pray something back to the Lord based on what it says. Again, it's helpful if maybe you and your spouse can kind of prompt things a little bit and fill in some gaps when there's some silent moments of silence. But trust me, if you do this a couple of times, they'll catch on and it's a really cool thing. Yeah. Just a quick word to some of you guys that because I've, I've talked to gals that have said, well, this sounds amazing and I would love to do family devotions, but my husband, he just doesn't want to do that. He has no interest in doing that. And I think I want to go back to earlier what Chris said, just start. You just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does in that. Maybe your husband will then take more of an interest in that and want to start leading in that. But be faithful to the things that the Lord has called you to do. And, and it's okay. The Lord will cover those things and work them out. If 
your husband is wanting to do those things and wanting to lead family devotions and he is wanting to set aside time, gals, encourage him. Be his biggest cheerleader because I guarantee you he is over there and Chris will probably say yes. He's over there going, my family doesn't, they don't want me to do this. I don't have anything to add to this. This is boring them. It's there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, are you my pastor or are you my dad? I mean, it's it's the, all the these are stuff, the, the these are the thoughts that will go through his head. Trust me, he is going to be totally insecure about this. Mm-hmm. I have felt these things. Amy, you've done a great job over the years encouraging me and even sort of like boosting my confidence a little bit by saying to the boys, like, aren't you guys appreciative of dad doing this and things like that? And so if you are in that situation where your husband is is reluctant or maybe just has no interest in doing it, I echo what Amy's saying there. Just go for it. Do it. But then the moment that he shows any interest, it's so important that you be super supportive at that moment. Like no amount of, oh, you're going to start now all of a sudden, you know, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. That attitude has to be totally aside and just really encourage and affirm that even just baby step in that direction, because he'll be so glad he did after he does it the first time. Here's the thing that I am just so thankful for how Chris has led in this, guys, because I can be like, I'm really great at I'll start something and I want to really stick to it for about three days. And then I get sidetracked and I get very squirrel sometimes. And Chris is a very disciplined person. It has just really helped our family that we over the years, we just get to see how this fruit has bared out. And maybe you might even just need to think that long term, like, okay, right now in this moment, doing these devotions, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. I don't think they're getting anything out of it. Just keep going. Because we were saying those same things when our kids were in second and third grade a little bit. And now that we're on the end where one has already graduated from high school, It's just we see the fruit that it's bared in their life and what that has helped them to be personally in their own walk with the Lord. Mm -hmm. One of the Proverbs that we have talked about in chapter 13, verse 22, says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I believe that that is talking about a financial inheritance, but I believe it is also talking about a legacy, a spiritual inheritance. And the work that you put in to family devotions is you leaving an inheritance for your children's children. Because like Caden was saying on that hike, like I'm going to do this with my kids because it was such an important thing. By the way, he was one of the ones that was nodding off. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not sure this is getting through to him. And now he's telling me I'm going to do this with my kids. And you know what? There's a good chance that his kids will do it with his kids because it's just part of what we do. It was a favorite memory of his growing up. That is leaving an inheritance for your children's children. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you guys. Again, don't be intimidated and even just ask the Lord, just pray about this. And if you've never done this before, it's just never too late. It's just going to be such a blessing to you and your kids. So, Chris, thank you for chiming in. I love this. Yeah, bet. We will talk to you guys next time on The Devoted Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. 
We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.